This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And I am joined this morning from the University of Minnesota by Mary Meyer. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Denny. I guess we're back into winter again all of a sudden. <laughs> it didn't take much. It just flipped over uh, rather quickly. Uh, yes, uh, in fact, it's still uh, officially, let me double check, yep, 28 degrees, and we might eke out another couple of degrees or so, and it looks like it's going to be that way pretty much the rest of the week. Yes, it is mid-November, um, but we still do a garden show like we do a uh, lawn and garden show 52 weeks a year here on WCCO, and welcome your uh, calls or your text messages this morning from Mary Meyer, uh, 651-461-9226. Yeah, I guess for for those of us, in fact, we're still getting long questions, Mary, like, uh, well, let me just uh, read you one here. Um, But we've got a bunch of them already, as a matter of fact. Can you still cut your lawn? My last cut was a week ago, Texter says, and set to two and a half inches. I'm thinking one last cut when it dries out, but move down to two inches. What do you think of that process? Well, a two and a half inches is not a bad height to leave your lawn going into the winter. We say three inches or less. And cutting it a little shorter as you go into the winter can prevent some disease issues with the grass matting and so on. Uh, But two and a half inches is not bad. That's uh, where I'm going to leave mine is uh, between two and a half and three inches. So at this point, it's almost personal preference. But I think the more important thing is, is removing the leaves. Um, I was reading a garden column recently that that said we should call November National Leaf or uh, the Leaf Cleanup Month uh, because of the amount of leaves and the work we're doing for um, leaf cleanup in November. So you can leave a few leaves on your lawn, but if you can't uh, see the grass, then you've got a problem because that is really an issue going through the winter with a total leaf cover on your lawn is one sure way of killing your lawn grass. So cleaning up the leaves um, is, is I think, more important than, than cutting it short at this point. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, let's see. 
again, here's our phone number. If you want to call and chat with Mary, great. We love to hear your phone calls as well as text messages, 651-461-9226. Uh, thank you for your wonderful show, Texter says. My question is, should I stop watering my new Homestrup Arborvitae hedge, which I planted in September, now that the uh, air temperature has dropped below freezing and is forecast to stay there? for the uh, near future. What do you think about uh, continue to water, in this case, an arborvitae hedge? So if it's new this year and you've been watering it uh, throughout the summer, I think you're probably okay. But if you have not been watering or something didn't get watered, as long as the ground is not frozen, I would still think about watering. It's it's going to start freezing now. The ground will start freezing now quite rapidly because of the really cold air temperatures that we have. Looking at the week ahead, uh, you know, I would just say there's just like one or two more days when you're going to be able to water uh, with it out without. Um, the soil starting to freeze. So we're really, really on the edge for the end of watering. We've just had such an unfortunate uh, dry conditions. I mean, this is in the 36 years I've been in Minnesota, this is by far the driest uh, conditions I have ever seen for plants. So, and we know going into the winter here, we, of course, will get some snow, but our precipitation is really in the summer. Yeah, for Minnesota, sure. so we have we have unfortunately missed that. And if the ground's not frozen, you can water. But we we're we're on the edge now for that happening. For sure. Let's uh, take a phone call, uh, Mary. Uh, Bobby's calling in from Bloomington, I believe, uh, this morning. Bobby, you're on with Mary Meyer. Thank you. I have a. I was a leaf question. We're going to be having people rake our leaves today. Should we cover the hostas and the hydrangeas? Uh, should, and should those be cut back? And um, I guess. About, and what about bushes and trees? Should we put leaves under there or rake them from under there? What do we do? Um, you can use leaves for a mulch on top of your perennials, and you can use that around shrubs. They're really, uh, you know, leaves will decompose and add organic matter to the soil. So you don't have to do a 100% cleanup. Um, I keep leaves on top of my perennial beds for uh, additional uh, organic matter as well as help mulch them through the winter time. So it's really your lawn that you have to uh, pay the uh, attention to of removing the leaves from your lawn. And Mary, another lawn question, believe it or not. Is it too late to put down winter fertilizer? Yes, I wouldn't do any fertilization now. The soil and plant roots and so on, plant roots will still grow a little bit, but uh, it's really too late. You have more of a risk of fertilizer running off or not being taken up, uh, and then the ground freezes, and then it can really uh, it can really run off. So dormant seeding, boy, this is the time to do dormant seeding for lawns, but not fertilization. Okay. Yeah, I got to do that too. Uh, if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, uh, if you're just joining us, Mary Meyer from the U of M is answering those questions today. Do that too. Uh, if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, uh, if you're just joining us, Mary Meyer from the U of M is answering those questions today at 651-461-9226. Here's another one, uh, Mary. Uh, Texter says, my three Christmas cacti usually bloom around Thanksgiving. I successfully repotted them this summer. 
because they were getting top-heavy but did not fertilize at that time. When do I start and stop fertilizing? Two of them have buds now. You can do fertilization with Christmas cactus. Um, You can do um, regular, according to the directions on the package, especially if you see uh, the buds coming on there. Or you can use a dilute fertilization and use it like every other time that you water. But the real critical thing with Christmas cactus or Thanksgiving cactus and getting them to bloom, it's either cool temperatures like in the 50s or uh, it's short days. So we have short days now with our natural day length, but uh, you need to put them in a room where you don't turn the lights on at night. So if you have a a room that... uh, Uh, doesn't get light at night, that's a good spot. Now, yours have buds on. So once the buds are set, they're not as sensitive to the the day length uh, once the buds get set. So what you've done so far is great because your plants have buds on. Pretty good. Hang on, Mary. We'll take a bit of a break here. We'll be right back with more Smart Garden. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, we welcome yours. Uh, just one number to remember for either a phone call or text, 651-461-9226. Here on News Talk 830 WCCO, it's 28 degrees. And good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO Radio. We are here with this Lawn and Garden Talk every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, thanks to experts like Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota helping you out either by phone or by text this morning. Here's the number that will get you here, 651-461-9226. And as usual, Mary, we have a lot of uh, text messages. Now, we, you mentioned we were talking about uh, dormant seating this texture says, I, I seeded in the spring. Now I want to dormant seed to fill in the light areas. What do I need to do? I don't want to disturb the existing grass. Maybe we could describe what, what dormant seeding is and how do we accomplish it. Yes, dormant seeding is really putting down the seed now in the, when it's not going to start growing so that it settles down into the soil and then early in the spring as soon as conditions are warm enough basically the grass will start to grow so we do this sometimes with wildflowers as well as grass lawn lawn seed and it's really an effective way to get a good stand of grass but you have to have good seed soil contact So you can't throw seed down where it's not going to hit the soil. It really has to hit the soil. And you don't want it to start growing in the fall. So now is a perfect time. It's gotten cold enough. um, And if if you have bare soil, you can put uh, seed down. So we like to use the cool season grasses with this, the fine fescues, uh, perennial ryegrass, or Kentucky bluegrass. Those are the three ones we recommend. And there's a lot of interest in the fine fescues because of their lower maintenance requirements, and they have good shade tolerance as well. Okay. This texture, Mary, says, my indoor Hoyas have, and you're going to have to help me with this, flat mites. What's your recommended treatment for this mite issue? Well, Hoyas are a great uh, house plant. They're really an easy house plant to grow, very tolerant of um, 
low light and low water conditions, and they have a beautiful uh, wax-like flower. But if you get mites on them, now mites are really... Uh, kind of in a category all their own insect. So they have their own miticides. They have special um, uh, insecticides that will really uh, specifically kill mites. So if you if you know that's what you have, you have to use a, a chemical specifically for mites. You could always try an insect Insecticidal soap. These have the uh, are the safer type of organic uh, chemical c- controls that you can use. You could try that. The thing is, these mites are very small, and their eggs are even smaller, and they can have many life cycles um, when they're indoors. So it's a really a challenge to. Uh, continually uh, have the persistence to use a chemical or use insecticidal soap repeatedly to get it uh, cleaned up. Sometimes cleaning the plants off simply by putting sink and washing them well with water, that can help as well. Okay. Mary, this uh, texture says, should perennial vinca be covered or uncovered of leaves? Uncovered is the uh, better uh, because it is a broadleaf perennial. We don't have many of those, but a broadleaf evergreen. It's a perennial that keeps its leaves year round. So if you've got it covered up with leaves, then it it's uh, more difficult for it to live. A few leaves are okay, but if it's completely covered, uh, that can be a problem. I have a little bit of vinca uh, at my home, but I really don't rake it too much. It's on a slope, and so the leaves tend to blow off of it. But uh, certainly you don't want uh, more than maybe an inch at the very most. This uh, listener wants to know, is ornamental kale edible? Yes, it is. Um, the kale, it's... it's um, it might not be as tender, especially if the leaves have been on the plant for a long time. But the Lassionata kale, that's the long, narrow leaf, um, that is definitely edible. Uh, it might not be as tender as young kale, but I would get rid of the center stalk when you're um, cutting that up to use Maybe cook it a little bit longer, but definitely edible. Okay. This listener is starting to manage a small apple orchard at the school they teach at. I'm wondering, they're saying, if it's important to pick all the apples off the tree before winter sets in, even if they are inedible. Usually those apples will fall off on their own. Um, At the Arboretum, there really is not an attempt to pick all the apples or take them off or even clean them up underneath the trees. They uh, really pretty much just decompose. The only time that's an issue is if you have a disease problem, a a severe disease problem. But no, you don't have to take those off. You know, I think the apples are edible, whether or not they're palatable, sweet enough, or have enough flesh that is not um, diseased or has spots in it, that's another issue entirely. But you don't have to take those uh, uh, fruits off. I was trying to think, Mary, years ago, you were kind enough to bring something into the studio that you had uh, canned, and it was a some kind of, 
I want to say orange marmalade, but it was it was oh, it, it was it was it was <laughs> yes. uh, very tart. Is <laughs> yes, I recall very tart. It was good. That's right. Oh, that's the calamond and oranges. Oh, yes, okay. I have this sixty-year-old plant of my grandmother's, and it's got oranges on it now. I usually in the winter time. That's when the citrus ripens. And yes, I'm orange marmalade is in my future, Denny. <laughs> All right. It. Yes. Well, I, I don't know why I'm saying that. I may not be receiving any, but that's <laughs> we'll we'll t- we'll talk later. Uh, about that. Uh, I'm getting a signal, that, uh, Mary, we need to take a break here and have a look at that forecast to see what this uh, coming week's weather is going to be. In the meantime, if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, you can call Mary or text Mary uh, by calling or dialing 65, if people still dial, 651-461-9226, 651-461-9226. Back with more here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. Every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, we welcome your lawn and garden questions to Mary Meyer, University of Minnesota, our uh, guest host today. Smart Garden Show every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, Mary, we have. I want to talk a little bit, a couple of things, actually, uh, when we come back from Mark's call uh, about the Arboretum, what's going on there, and tell folks who maybe have not checked it out about the university website. Uh, extension.umn.edu. Oh, yes. Let's do let's do that when we come back. In the meantime, Mark is calling in from Woodbury, I believe, this morning. Thanks, Mark. What's your question this morning? Oh, Mark is gone. Okay, we'll call back, Mark. He wanted to wait till after the break. He wanted to hear the weather. Uh, in the meantime, we have a, a ton of text messages as as well. Uh, but in the meantime, let's let's talk about that website, extension.umn.edu. We can find so many things, uh, right, Mary? I mean, so you and your colleagues have put so many, so much work into this thing. It's just an amazing, amazing resource. Yes, that's exactly right, Denny. You know, we've talked a lot about lawns because people are still doing their lawn leaf cleanup. So we have a lawn care calendar really throughout the year, but also for in the fall. There's a lot of questions about how to clean up your leaves, different ways to clean up your leaves, the mowing, fertilization, the dormant seeding, everything. We have lots of information there on lawns. But all of the fall things to do with cleaning up in your garden, uh, taking care of your, clean up your vegetable garden, bringing your house plants in, and then information on how to take care of individual different plants, pruning for hydrangeas, uh, pruning for evergreens, things like that. There's just um, a lot of information, and we try to follow the seasons with giving you timely information um, as well. So you can get on a mailing list for the Yard and Garden e-news, but of course, anytime you can go to the extension.umm.edu website. Oh, it's great reading. Great, great information. Uh, And this, uh, you know, here we kind of the calendar turned to winter, but there's still so many things going on at the uh, uh, Landscape Arboretum. Aren't there always something going on? There's always something going on, and we are heading into one of the busiest um, seasons, really, at the Arboretum because of winter lights. Winter lights with the um, holiday lights is really a popular time. And because many people get out of town guests now for Thanksgiving and Christmas, 
We have special hours and special events on for these winter holiday lights. It actually starts on Thursday. This coming Thursday, November 17th, is the opening night for winter lights. And the lights are really fantastic. This is a walking tour. You walk around the Arboretum and look at the lights. Uh, there's special music some nights. There's special food other nights. There's a date night. So there are lots of uh, special events that go along with this. But this goes through uh, the end of December. There is a charge for this. It's $10 for adults if you're a member. If you're not an Arboretum member, it's $25 for adults. Children uh, 15 and under are free. Everyone needs a reservation to come in for uh, winter lights, but it's easy to do on the website, easy to make the reservation. And some people, was it Julie? Did I hear Julie say this, uh, that she had went like three or four times last <laughs> yeah. year to winter lights because it was so fun. And there are different themes, and uh, some of the lights look like apples. Last year, we had a lot of apples. This year, there's going to be a gigantic weeping willow made out of lights. So wow. it's always fun. There's lots of ideas. Yeah, and it's so easy to get to. at the Arboretum. Yep. Just get head west. Easy, on easy the, to get to. Yeah. Highway 5, go west yeah. on 5 yeah. to 41, basically, and you're, you're, you're almost there. Yes, that's right. And there is the also the Apple House. You know, our Apple House oh, is yeah. now the um, winter, I think, winter boutique, it's called. And that is open with a fabulous selection. Still of apples. You can get the Harrelson apples, Fireside, lots of great apples, apple products. And still get squash. Winter squash is uh, something the Arboretum has become famous for growing hundreds of kinds of winter squash. And Jenny Tull and John that grow the squash now are talking about people coming from different countries, uh, <laughs> Italy, remembering remembering squash that they grew up with and finding these really unusual squash uh, at the Arboretum. So lots of squash and apples still, as well as holiday boutique items at the Apple House and no reservations needed yeah. for that. Anybody can go to that um, just a little bit west of the Arboretum. That's right. Yeah, no reservations. Great place. Okay, let's get back to the telephone, uh, Mary. Uh, Mark is back uh, calling from Woodbury, I believe. Mark, what is your question for Mary? Yeah, hey, mor morning, Mary. Morning. I have two questions for Mary. Okay. Uh, the first is, uh, Mary, have you read the book 1491 by Charles Mann? And secondly, how did the folks, before we came out with the pesticides and uh, the chemicals and things like that, how did we uh, manage um, diseases, plant diseases and things like that, uh, and, and, and for growing vegetables, how did uh, people uh, in the old days, let's say, uh, handle how did Mother Nature handle that? Thank you. Uh, Mark, thanks for your recommendation. I think you said the book was 1491. Yes. Uh, I have not read that, but I can look that up, check that out. Um, how did folks handle before the chemicals? Well, a lot of our chemicals came after World War II. And so prior to that, well... Uh, people actually did use chemicals. They used some that were horrific, like arsenic.
arsenic and copper that won't use in the quantities that they used because those were those were kind of bad too. But even before that, I, a lot of the plants, of course, just died. Uh, people did not grow monocultures as much as we do now, so that diversity of plants uh, helped. In uh, some plants would die, but not everything would die because the diversity uh, did help um, as well. We have actually uh, we have actually looked backwards to still people did things before to resurrect some of those techniques because um, you know going to one extreme from one extreme to the other um, is not good but the one thing we do have today is disease resistant plants because through plant breeding and use of genetics and putting in genes that come from plants from different areas of the world, we can introduce uh, disease resistance. So that's really the best of both worlds. In my thinking, you have plants that won't get the disease, and then you won't need to use um, chemicals. Okay. Tester, a texter says this, Mary, uh, they have two blueberry and one ornamental grass in pots still. Uh, what's the best thing to do at this point to make them uh, take them uh, through... Uh, um, but the so winter. You need to, yeah, the winter. Yeah, you need to put those pots where they're not going to be subjective to the regular outdoor temperatures. So in a garage where they have some protection or dig a hole and bury the pots in the ground. Uh, roots will have very little cold tolerance. So it's okay if the plants freeze and the the uh, containers freeze and get to 32. But if they go below 32, which is easy to do with our winter uh, with no protection, then that is going to be fatal. So uh, garage or sink the pots in the ground. Okay. Mary in St. Paul is calling to ask Mary a question. Thank you, Mary. What is your question for Mary Meyer? Thank you for taking my call. In the spring, it was too warm for me to trim back my uh, Van Hote spirea, my bridal wreath, and they are really overhanging my driveway, and I'd like to trim them back. I know that cutting them now will cause no flowers, but will I kill the bushes they're, what, 25, 30 years old. Will I kill them if I cut them back now because my driveway is going to get quite slippery and I'm afraid I'll slide into them? Thank you. Uh, no, Mary, you will not kill them. Uh, the Van Hootie spirea, a really tough plant, uh, you can prune that back. It will not kill the plant, but you're right. The buds are set on there with their flowers for next spring, so you'll be taking those off at this point. So the ideal time is after it flowers, but uh, you can do the pruning now. won't hurt the plant, but you won't have as many flowers next spring. Okay. This texter uh, wants to uh, dormant seed white clover on their boulevard because it turns out it's the restroom for the neighborhood dogs and they can't grow grass on it. So they thought they would convert it to white clover. What do you think of that situation? I think that's a great idea. Cool. Yeah. And sure, why not try out seeding, see if that works. If that doesn't work, you can also uh, reseed it again in the spring once the soil has warmed up. But again, just make sure you have that good uh, seed soil contact so that the seed is getting on soil, not on uh, plants. Okay. Let's take another phone call. Brett's calling in from Roseville this morning. Uh, Brett, thank you. What is your question for Mary? Uh, 
I wrap my arborvita with burlap in the winter to prevent uh, the uh, sun sun score uh, scoring. Does other uh, evergreens like junipers and that kind of thing do they have? Should they be wrapped too? Junipers can usually get by, and actually, uh, Brett, sometimes arborvita can too. A lot of it depends on the prevailing winds, the exposure that the plant has, and how much water it has going into the winter. Uh, this could be a really rough year on a lot of evergreens because if they're dry going into the winter, that's gonna they're going to dry out further as time goes on. So um, junipers, though, are usually the toughest ones. Um, I I have never uh, protected a juniper, and only occasionally the arborvita. Okay. Let's take a quick break here, Mary, uh, and uh, we'll be right back with more Smart Garden. Just a reminder, coming along right after the 9 o'clock news break, get those home improvement questions ready for Andy Lindis. It's our home improvement show next. Just a reminder, coming along right after the 9 o'clock news break, get those home improvement questions ready for Andy Lindis. It's our home improvement show next hour. Here on News Talk 830, this is... And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. Every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, welcoming your lawn and garden questions. This morning from Mary Meyer uh, from the University of Minnesota, 651 9226. Mary, a lot of text messages. Let's see how many we can get to before you take your leave today. Uh, this listener says, when should I wrap my Alberta pines? Um, so wrapping evergreens, we normally think of two things. Sometimes it's the bark we're wrapping, the actual trunk of the tree, to prevent uh, rabbit damage usually with that. And the other thing is the uh, foliage, and that's the burlap where it's the wind or really mostly the wind that you want to keep it from drying out. So that's something, yeah, if you're talking about either of those, it's right now. So that's something to think about right now as it's getting cold and we're getting these northwest winds. So not all evergreens need to be wrapped, but it depends on the exposure and uh, the site. Okay. Is this a good time, the listener says, uh, to do hard pruning on shrubs and hedges? You can because these plants are dormant now. Pretty much everything, everything that's deciduous, which most of our hedges are, yes, you can do that. The only thing is, is you will cut off the flower buds of the early sp- spring blooming plants, like lilac, forsythia, the spireas. Those, uh, you'll sacrifice the flowers, but you won't hurt the plant if you want to do pruning now. Okay. This listener likes how the moss looks in parts of my garden, especially on the north side of my house. But their question is, can I prevent it from getting into the lawn? That's kind of a challenge, but it's usually low nutrients and poor soil and sometimes shade, sometimes poor drainage. We find moss growing. Um, that, so if, if it's not shady, you have 
best chance of getting grass to grow there. If it's shady, it's cold because the moss will sometimes take over, but you can try the fine fescues as well. So you want to remove most of the moss that's there. Having a soil test is a good idea. If you've had problems with moss, you can see what the nutrient levels are. But um, preventing it in your lawn is making sure you have the conditions for the grass to be healthy. And um, so I would start with a soil test there. This listener tried dormant seeding last year, but uh, the yard became a giant bird feeder. Should the the seed be covered is my question. (laughs) Well, uh, if you do cover it, it's just light with some light, like straw, something like that. Sometimes you can rake it in if the ground is not already frozen and you can lightly rake it in. But um, I would say in this case, if it was, um, if there were enough birds and birds around in the area, then yes, I would think about putting on a light covering of uh, straw mulch, something that doesn't have weed seeds in it. Kind of a refresher again from what you said a couple of times uh, this morning. Uh, I have a question. Texas says about how to replenish a lawn with areas of sparse grass and no grass areas without putting fresh dirt down. Apparently, uh, you just can't sprinkle seed over grass. And that's it. You've got to have that contact, don't you? Right. You need the seed soil contact. And I would say as long if you have bare areas, I would really use a garden rake on those so you can uh, scarify or scrape up the soil and and so create a, a better seed bed for the uh, grass seeds to get in there. But yeah, it's only going to work on bare soil. So it, unless it's really sparse grass where you can see the, the soil and ground in between the plants, usually you're just throwing it away when you overseed on top of existing grass. As a listener uh, said, it's not a question, it's a comment. Greetings to my favorite Saturday show. Uh, I texted you about a month ago about the zygocactus I had purchased months before and had tiny buds but wouldn't bloom. Well, yay, it's blooming. Thank you. <laughs> so there's a, a positive response. Oh, good news. Reply. Thank you. This yeah. uh, listener, we're just about out of time. Uh, wants to know, what can I do now in the fall to prevent lawn scorching in the winter from dogs going on it and brown spots showing in the spring? Yeah, is there anything preventative that can be done to lawns for these these uh, interlopers? No, you know, there, there really isn't. I mean, the preventative thing is don't have the dog out there. But obviously, that's not an option. So this is it's really difficult Um you know, some people will train their dog to go only in one area or go in an area that has a mulch on it that doesn't have uh, grass on it. That takes a lot of, of training and patience. Uh, when urine is out there with, from dogs, from animals, you can dilute it with water. But, of course, in the wintertime, that's not practical either. So it's really a difficult situation. You have to isolate it or... Um, go out there after the dog and um, not very practical. It's a Mary, hard, we ha- hard thing and yeah. Yeah, we we just have in fact less than uh, two minutes to go. Let's again, if, if folks have joined us late, let's uh, remind them of a couple of things. Uh, give us again that University of Minnesota website and then let's talk a little bit about the Arboretum. 
Yes, the website is extension.umn.edu, and you click on Garden, Yard and Garden, and you'll find lots of information, how to take care of your houseplants, any pruning questions, what bug is that, what weed is this, lots of information about Yard and Garden. And the Arboretum, yes, the Arboretum is a great place to visit if you've got out-of-town friends now coming for the holidays. The Winter Lights is coming up. The uh, Apple House is still open. And you can still do walking, lots of walking at the Arboretum. If we get snow, once we get snow, we'll have the snowshoe trails are open, the ski trails are open. So wintertime is a fun time to uh, see the plants at the Arboretum. And, of course, the Winter Lights will go uh, through Christmas. Absolutely. Mary, always a pleasure, always fun. So uh, let's do this again when you have time. Thank you, Denny. Always a, great to talk about gardening. Thanks, Mary. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Get those home improvement questions ready next hour here on CCO. Just a reminder, I'll be filling in for Susie Jones tomorrow. Uh, in our health hour, a couple of guests will be talking about ear, nose, and throat. So get those ear, nose, and throat questions in the first uh, segment. And then we're going to be talking to a pediatrician about this this crazy other RSV in the little ones. So uh, stay tuned for that. If you have kids or grandkids, you want to find out more information. That's coming along tomorrow on the 7 o'clock hour here on News Talk 830-WCCO. Right now in the Twin Cities, we got a north breeze at 14. Uh, overcast skies, our current CCO temperature reading, 28 degrees. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.